0: It's on the cranberry sauce here, so that's fantastic. That is wonderful. You can turn over to First Timothy chapter 6. We are uh, winding up this first letter. Uh, hopefully, as we've gone through this, um, my hope is, um, is that we're able to um, be able to tell this story here, that we're able to... Uh, share with other people this letter right here. And I know it can feel sometimes like really intimidating to to make that statement, except when you start reading, you start to see that Paul really had kind of, he's not just sticking to the chapters, but he has this flow that he's trying to get across and he's trying to share with Christians. And I think that's the thing to keep in mind is we're talking to, uh, or Paul is writing to Timothy who is leading a church in the region of Ephesus, okay? And so again, this letter is, is not uh, written to the lost or anything like that. It's written actually to Christians, to our brothers and sisters, and, um, and just like us, Uh, They had a lot of rough edges and they had some things that need to be worked on and things that need to be changed. And uh, Paul was instructing Timothy how to do that. And so uh, we've been digging in and we've gotten to first Timothy chapter six. And we're actually in verse three is where we are. We went through two whole verses last week, and uh, so this one we're going to uh, go much further than that. We're going to finish up this chapter today. Uh, but but uh, verse 3, if anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he's conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy and strife, malicious talk, evil suspicions and constant friction between men of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge a man into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. To him be honor and might forever. Amen. that is truly life. Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. And so we see Paul wrapping it up. He's finishing up here. And as you notice, he's really bringing some things together. Um, It almost seems a little bit kind of disconnected maybe here because he's been so like on task so far. But he seems to be kind of going into some areas. And as you can tell, probably like us, when we write a letter to somebody and you're wrapping it up, it's kind of like you're putting in your last and final thoughts. We've already heard about the false teachers that are in Ephesus. If you guys remember that in chapter one, we read about that already. And he told Timothy, I want you to go to Ephesus and I want you to command certain men not to teach false doctrines. Okay, Timothy has already been given this command. He's already been commanded, hey, get in there and deal with this. Um, But he goes in and it's a little bit of commentary that Paul's giving here. He said, if anyone teaches false doctrine... And doesn't agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ in the godly teaching. He's conceited. He understands nothing. And he has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words. Here's, there's something really interesting, I think, for us to be, be able to draw out of this, okay? Number one, there's two opposing words that Paul uses here. One is healthy and one is unhealthy, Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing. We all know what that means, right? We understand that. The interesting thing for the past three years, that's been almost the topic of conversation everywhere is about health and what's healthy and what's unhealthy. And the interesting thing of our lives spiritually should be healthy, All right. A healthy, a healthy spiritual life is vibrant. And as as Ben was saying, joyful and prayerful and grateful. It's just like our bodies when we're unhealthy. It's just not clicking right. It's not, you know, there's too much effort or your body is like suppressed or whatever it is. But he says here, if anyone teaches false doctrines and doesn't agree to sound instruction, that word sound actually means healthy instruction, all right, so he's saying, hey, again, this commentary on, on it, the false teachers in the church, he says, if they do that, they're conceited and understand nothing and have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words. But here's the interesting thing that I'd like for us to zero in on right here, okay? is He says this, he's conceited and understands Nothing. Okay, that, that's so important for us to, under, to, to understand what he's talking about because he's saying there are those who are in the church that are teaching not a healthy, not godly, not teachings of Jesus. And they don't understand. Well, understand what? Understand the big picture of why healthy teaching matters. They don't understand it. Okay. And it's this idea of being able to go out and go, why is, why is sound instruction so important? Why why is it so important that we handle the word? Well, why is that something that is so valuable to a community? The, The reason is, is because it promotes a healthy community. It gives us the idea of what God is telling us For our church, for our family, for our community to be together and to be healthy. That's one of those things that the world, the world really, I think we all agree with this. The world has no idea of what a healthy community looks like, okay? It's all full of dysfunction. It's all full of selfishness. It's all full of all of these things. And so when there's not sound teaching, sound teaching from Jesus, then there's something produced here. He says that, that when there isn't godly teaching, when there is false teaching, the result is this. Envy, strife, all right? Uh, uh, malicious talk, evil suspicions, constant friction between men of corrupt mind, all right? Is that what you would love to invite people to be a part of? Yeah. Come into this community and place the the groups that you're a part of that are full of strife and envy and malicious talk and all of these different things and suspicions. Just come in and it's really not that different. He's saying, this is what teaching that isn't sound, this is what it produces. Okay. And all we have to do is just very simply, you know, when you look at this and you go, okay, well, if, if unsound teaching produces envy and strife and all these things. You look at the opposite of that, okay? What is sound teaching meant to produce? Love and contentment rather than strife, right? It's supposed to, instead of strife, peace and harmony. Instead of malicious talk, honoring one another. Instead of suspicions, it's, it's, we're really called together to have useful and intentional and encouraging faith-building interactions with one another, Okay, there's like this complete opposite aspect here, and so I think one of the questions for us is to understand do I understand what what God is trying to do here in in the us? All right, I know it's really easy, he's going, but but I want to know about me. Listen, the, the me's make up the us, okay? Is this idea of there's no, it is there is an individual side of things, but we are called to a healthy community. So it's one of those things where we all have a a major impact on, on this community. Will this community be healthy? Will this community, and the truth of the matter is, is when we're healthy, you want to know what's interesting is, is when our bodies are healthy, it actually is able to like ward off disease and, and things that aren't healthy we're able to stay healthy okay and so just looking at this he's saying hey just pay attention to these things right pay attention to all of this he says that not only that but somehow they thought that godliness is a means to financial all right so I want you to kind of lock in here um some of you guys who are who you've been around the Bible a while you 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 kind of understand the big picture Right. Can you think of why in Ephesus anyone would put together the idea of financial gain and religion? All right. We actually have a place in the Bible, in the book of Acts. In Ephesus, you had people who were being converted from worshiping Artemis. And therefore, because they weren't worshiping, they weren't buying the idols from the silversmiths. And the silversmiths created this intense riot in the city because they were losing their financial status because the religion in the cult of Artemis was declining, okay? And so they live in a community where religion is something that is free for all to make money. And they're understanding this idea of having financial gain from godliness here, okay? And so anyway, um, he... He brings us through this but but here's th- this is really the thing uh, for me right here and uh, for us to know is I-, I think where communities can go wrong and I think we err on this side is I think we err on the side of silence okay where there's plenty of times where people will come to me and they'll say, man, I kind of seen this and I'm not sure. And I don't know. And I knew it was kind of weird that I heard this. Maybe it was a weird teaching or maybe it was this weird just in the congregation. But, but I, I feel strange about like approaching that. Because this is for all of us to do. This isn't just, hey, go to your family group leader or go to Keith or go to Abby or something like that. It's understanding like, no, I understand this community. I understand what God's trying to do. I understand how he's trying to create this healthy group. And so when my ear starts hearing things, and I'm going, hold on a minute and I start seeing lives of people who are producing envy and strife and malicious talk and all these things, it's up to us to go, hold on, we, let's stop this right now. Okay, because it's so easy and go, man, but I don't want to judge people. Okay, but here's the truth of the matter is, is hopefully we don't run our families that way. You know, I hope... I, 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 Far too often families are this way where it's like, hey, we just want to have peace. So I don't want to like really directly address something. But this is the part we kind of can err on. And I would just encourage us to go. Let's stay in tune with the teachings of Jesus and to be able to have conversations to be able to help one another. All right. To be able to help one another, to be able to help the community remain healthy. And he says this, but godliness, it's not a means to financial gain. He says in verse six, godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay, so so here's the interesting thing. He's been using this word godly and godliness over and over and over again. Our working definition from it is a devotion to God that leads to actions that are pleasing to him. That's the working definition of what does it mean to be godly? What is godliness? It's a devotion to God that leads to actions that are pleasing to him. All right. But godliness with contentment is great gain. OK, so that begs the question right here. How content are we like collectively right now? OK, now to understand something, I think we know this, like there's the apathetic contentment and then there's like true spiritual contentment. But this commitment, this contentment, he says, we brought nothing into the world and we can't take anything out of it. Okay, there's this is meant to take some pressure off. To to take a deep breath of God, man, we're not going to take anything with us. Let's really this idea of godliness with contentment. Let's understand this. We brought nothing into the world. We can't take anything out of it. If we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Okay, let's kind of sit in that for one second. All right. Is, would that be our anthem? And again, uh, 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 this isn't about like singling out people. Because unity, we all come together. Is this... An anthem, we would all say together, hey, if we have food and clothing, we're good. I'm I'm fine with that. All right. That that's something to really pay attention to. People who want to get rich fall into temptation. And a trap and in many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In fact, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That, that's, that's a pretty provocative sentence right there at the end. as He says that, that the love of money, he says here, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people who are eager for money have wandered from the faith. A lot of us in here, you probably think you can't ever wander from the faith. In fact, that's a humongo kind of like point to most reformed churches is this idea of, man, if you're saved, you're always saved no matter what you do or how you live. Except it's amazing. No one told Paul that. (laughs) Paul said, man, he knows people who were eager for money and they wandered away from the faith. Okay? Don't do any spiritual gymnastics with that. Okay? Don't try to reason that what he's saying is, well, they wandered from the faith, but they're still saved. Absolutely not. He's saying, no, you divorced God. You walked away from Him, but I didn't want to do it. But you don't understand, that's the allure of money. The the interesting thing about this, this section right here is oftentimes this is where all of us, I think because we all are rich, we become kind of like defenders of money when we read this. Well, Keith, make sure what you say is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Yeah, we read that. We understand that. Money doesn't need to be defended. All right. Because he's saying, yes, the love of money, being eager for money, people who want to get rich in Luke chapter 12. One of the things that Jesus says, man, be on guard against greed. Right. Life is not about the abundance of our possessions. Okay, it's like be on the lookout for this. And here's one of those things I hope my prayer is and I and I I totally believe this is that man. We want to be challenged when it comes to these difficult areas. All right, Christianity in general, we could be like a good group of people. We could be a good group of people that we don't ever talk about hard things. We don't ever kind of like pull back the curtain. That we don't ever like really challenge one another. But here's the interesting thing about this: is the way we view money, handle money. distribute money tells the world about our doctrine and our teachings more than probably any words we can use. And what's so difficult is every one of us, we, we have to go and we have to examine how we use our money. Because Here's where, here's where I get caught up in this. I can go, hey, I don't have any money, <laughs> okay? But, but here's the deal. The question isn't how much is in my savings account. The question isn't how much is in my checking account. The question is for me to go and look and go, but how, is, how am I using my money? Because I can be broke and rich. Right? is I, I can just not say no to anything. I can have everything I want. I can eat out as much as I want. I can drink as much Starbucks as I want. I can do all the... you know. Now, I will say this. Lauren and Jessica, man, they're, they don't fit into this because they've learned how to like cheat the Starbucks system to where they get six or seven cups of free coffee a day, okay? I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do that at All In, okay? So I'm just trying to figure that out. But... Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it requires us to go back and go, but how am I using this money? How am I using all these things? Now, here's the interesting thing, is what the world has been, and we have to understand this, what the world has trained all of us in for years and years and years, and if we don't understand this, we're going to get a really kind of weird theology, is the world has trained us To be scared. The world trains us to be scared. When you're watching television, watch the commercials. The commercials are meant to make you scared. If you watch the political commercials, they're about trying to make you scared. Don't vote for this person. They'll ruin everything. Okay? And then the other person has the thing. They say the same thing. Right. But how much more fearful can I make you? Because then so here's the interesting thing is, 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 is that we've been trained by that and that's not a really easy kind of yoke to break. Even when we have the greatest of intentions. Even when we want more than anything to follow Jesus, if we don't like understand, we have been trained in the in this realm of fear and anxiety every day, our entire life. Okay, when we come together, we are just an anxious group of people coming together. That doesn't mean I'm not talking about anxiety. Like I have anxiety, diagnosed or not that. I'm saying that the world has trained us to be anxious. The world has trained us to be scared. The world has trained us to do these things. If you want to write this down in Philippians chapter 4, I love this. Paul said, I've learned to be content in every circumstance. Boy, is that a, isn't that, what a higher calling, right? What a higher calling. I've learned to be content with when I have much and when I have little. I've learned to be content, taking a deep breath and going, hey, you want to know what? We have enough. In fact, you want to know what we all have in Christ? We have abundance. We, we have abundance in Christ. OK, and he's saying, man, these these teachers even that are coming in, they're trying to teach something is, is that you don't have enough. And even godliness can be for financial gain. And, and he's saying, he, here's the interesting thing about it is, is is there is a trap that we can fall into when we feel like I don't have enough. OK, I, I felt like watching college football yesterday. There was a company that kept having an, a, a commercial over and over and over again. It was E-Trade. And, and it was amazing because it was so like it was so alarming about you are not going to have enough money to retire. And then all hell is going to break loose in your life. And painting this picture of destitution and painting this picture of like, man, you know, it's it's absolutely like I'm sitting there watching it and I'm going, oh, my gosh, my family's in trouble. (laughs) Like we're in trouble right now. Okay, because they'll say things and then you go to the E-Trade site and they have a thing. Well, hey, uh, put in how much money you have to retire right now and your age and we'll tell you how much you need. Don't ever do that calculator. Okay, don't ever do it because you know what it's telling our brains is you're in trouble. You don't have enough. You need to put more in. You need to take care of yourself. And we use words when it comes to our our draw to this beautiful money. The draw that we use, we say, no, I'm not tempted by it. I'm not fooled by it. I'm not like drawn into it. I'm financially responsible. We say things like, man, no, no, I want to make sure because I don't want to burden my children. You do understand, right? Like as disciples, children take care of their parents. There's certain things I say and I go, I didn't that didn't hit well. (laughs) Okay, there's certain things, and you'll hear one person go, "Mm mm-hmm. You know? That one didn't, okay? And and why do I say that? Is because again, we've talked about this before when it comes to this. Is even as I how I use my money responsibly now, am I thinking ahead? Not for retirement, but how am I going to take care of my people? How am I going to take care of my parents and my in laws? How is that going to happen? Am I considering that, right? Am I considering that? Or are we plagued with this idea of, but Keith, I don't have enough right now? I would say we have plenty, we have abundance. We have everything we need, okay? And so again, he he goes into this about the money, and then Paul writes this chap, this paragraph right here, where he's really just like encouraging Timothy. He's like, listen, man, stay strong. This is gonna be tough. Flee from these things, don't get caught up in these things, right? And he's he's really just encouraging Timothy, And, and then he goes back in verse 17. It looks like he's done in verse 16. It's like, I'm just going to listen. He's writing this. You can almost see him. I'm writing this. I've already talked to him about money. You know, Timothy stays strong, all these things. And and to him, be honor and might forever. Amen. It's almost like P.S. Verse 17. It's like he forgot this. Okay. He did not have like control C and control. He couldn't just go and like, I just got to put this here. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. All right? Man, oh man. Like, think about this. The world is talking. What, how bad is our economy? How high is interest rates going to go? Right? How bad is the housing market going to get? What is my home going to be worth? What is this going to do to my retirement account and the stock market and all of these things? And I think we, it's staring us in the, face, in the face. We're looking to put hope in something that's so uncertain. It's so uncertain. And, and I don't want to upset any financial planners that are sitting in here, but there is no convincing thing you can say for me to put my hope in money. None. There's nothing you can say that I would go, man, that's rock solid. But but here's what happens. We can it's so easy for us to put our hope in that and to sit down. And go, OK, this is great. I've got like the perfect IRA. I've got the perfect retirement. I'm set to retire, you know, to retire at 55 or 50 or 65 or whatever. I'm set to do it. And I feel and it's kind of like even in the commercials, they're like, ah, oh, just take a deep breath. Because that's where your hope should be. Here's what makes the church different than the world. A community, not one person, a community of people that go, I'm not putting my hope in that. But aren't you worried about what? That I may have to work longer. See, retirement's an invented thing. (laughs) Okay, I mean, have we it's invented. This idea of like, no, 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 man. I mean, if you were a farmer, you didn't retire. You needed to grow food. You weren't like, hey, I'm a farmer in my community, and I help my neighbors with food. But man, when I turn 55, I'm going to stop doing that so I can go and go on a ton of great trips. Okay, it's like, no, man, you till the soil. But I'm 60, but I'm 65, but I'm 70, but I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mhm. Yeah, that's true. This may be ruining the dreams. <laughs> this is ruining the dreams, right? Like, "Oh, but what about, you know, it is, but it listen, the, here's the difference. Again, this is that idea of like a complete paradigm shift in the way we view money and things and people and relationships and all of these things. And we can easily be fooled into thinking, but no, Keith, you don't understand. I could do this and still be faithful. Maybe. Do you want to take that chance? All right. All right. Is this going to be a city on a hill where people who are racked with anxiety over money and possessions and things can come in to an unanxious group of people going, hey, we're good. It's going to be okay, right? He says, don't put your hope. He said, and here's the great thing, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Don't overthink that. That's real. Okay? It's kind of like Ben was saying before. It's kind of like, oh, man, this stinks. You mean, I go to church, and now I can't retire, and now I can't buy Starbucks, and now I can't. And you're going, hold up a minute, man. Here's what contentment does. It, It just goes, you want to know what? I'm trusting in God who, let me see these words here, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment that means i don't have to go after it i don't have to go after that i don't have to go after leisure i don't have to go after enjoyment and all these things he's saying no god actually it's kind of like ben was saying it's like we fight against things like you know is oftentimes we fight against it to the point where we don't even allow god to do god things right It's like, God, do your thing. I trust that this is true. Let me get out of the way here. Right? Let let me kind of back up, okay? He tells them, he says this in verse 10, command this, okay? He tells Timothy, get in there and tell the rich to do this. All right? Like this wasn't an Ephesian suggestion here. He actually commands them and he says this he says, command them to do good. And to be rich in good deeds. He says, here's what I want you to tell the rich in Ephesus. Be rich in good deeds. All right. That requires some thought ahead of time. Okay. Be rich in good deeds to to be generous and willing to share. Okay. So it's this idea of as co-laborers with God. All right. It's this idea of God. Again, this picture, I love this, is God going, Okay. I've got my people and I'm going to do amazing things amongst them and I'm going to cleanse their sin and I'm going to give them the Holy Spirit and they're going to do greater things than I've ever done before. And here's what I'm going to have them do. They're going to be my distributors. I'm going to give them things. I'm going to put them in workplaces where that's their ministry. Right there, it wasn't like team ministry and campus ministry and married ministry. It was like, no, people are going to go work, and they where they're at work, that's going to be their ministry. That's where my people are going to be spread out. So, wherever you work, you're leading that ministry in sharing the gospel, in making disciples, and doing things. But he's also saying, I'm going to give them everything because I want them to distribute what I give them. To be generous. It's really, really tough to be generous when we're anxious. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. I'm <laughs> Like, okay, let me just, the, the goal here isn't to gut it out. Okay, the goal here isn't to go, oh, girl, okay, I'm, I'm going to go home and I'm going to empty my checking account and I'm going to send it to this, you know, St. Jude's Children's Hospital or something. Okay, the goal of this sermon isn't that. Okay. it's this idea of let this work on what's going on inside of us. Okay. am I putting money towards things that are just building me up that are valuable to me? Am I just using my money to create more comfort for me? Am I using my money to create more leisure for me and my family? Am I using my money? How am I using it and discerning it? right am i getting help i mean christian helped me with this i thought this was really great this week you know he he shared this with me on friday he said you know there's a difference between vulnerability and honesty and he said a lot of times we we talk about being vulnerable when all we're being is honest like hey here's what i'm going to do with my money okay that's honest that's not vulnerable vulnerable is when you allow people to speak into that honesty that's vulnerability that's what this is going to take to be able to go. Hold on a minute. Let's we should be talking about this. Like, how am I using my money? And am I am I purchasing things that are just creating more debt? Am I buying things? See, that's the thing is, is it's, it's like, you know, I know my parents taught me this. It's that idea of, listen, if you don't have money for it right now. OK, then the answer is No. That's a hard principle. (laughs) Zero percent financing, man. Right? What about that? (laughs) Okay. I can tell you from my own life, okay, is buying things when you don't have the money for them and accruing credit card like debt is one of the most destructive things that can happen to a family that wants to be generous. It truly, truly is. Okay? He says, command this. Command them to be generous. And he says, in this way, they'll lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I don't know what this means, that they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation. But I'm going to tell you this. That sounds really good. Okay, like, I listen, I'm not going to pontificate on all of what it might be. I'm just saying that he says right here, you're going to have treasures. Oh, okay. That you're going to really, truly understand what life is. This is, hey, this is difficult stuff. I don't know if you can do this without the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I really don't, because this is calling for something so radical. This is calling for something for, you know, of going, oh, let me put down all of the things and the ways I'm spending my money. All right. Because we usually will have a threshold to where we would go. I'm hitting that threshold. That's enough. you know, we, we kind of bring in the Levitical law and we say that threshold's like 10%, okay? Although that's not what the Bible tells us at all, right? But here's the interesting thing. We talk about like this journey to maturity. Here's what spiritual maturity is trying. Here's what the Holy Spirit tries to get us to do is to break, l- let go of what the world is telling us. To, to, to let go, to, to not hold on to this idea of, man, but I have to have more money. I have to have this. I have to have these things. I have to go and do this. I have to pay money for all of that instead of going, man, let me just be very liberal in my generosity and my view of money and all of those things. Let, uh, let me flow, because here's the interesting thing. We follow a king who gave everything. That's our king. We're apprenticing under him. All right? His message would be, I'm gonna bring you guys to a place where you're giving everything, man, that you're just you're letting it all hang out. Okay, and I know this can stir up a whole lot of things. I know this can stir up some anger and frustration and all these things. And here's what I would say about that. Be OK with that. Like, go ahead and sit in that for a little bit, because if it's like stirring up some things like he doesn't understand. I got to have like five shots of espresso every morning, you know, and all that kind of stuff is is like, hey, just sit in it. And and so But there are some things. So. I don't know how many people have watched that, that movie, The Chosen, that just came out. It was really good, man. It really was. It was fantastic. I love it. It got my kind of gears turning afterwards about, you know, the conversations Jesus would have with us. And it would be fascinating after this. You know, could you imagine if you would go home and Jesus is like sitting in your, in your front room. And he's like, hey, come on, y'all sit down. All right. And you would be like, I love this guy. I mean, you look at that guy on the screen, man, you're like, I already love this guy. And he's just an actor. Okay? But if Jesus was there, he goes, hey, come on here and sit down. And man, you feel fully loved and taken care of. And he says this: hey, listen, man, true or false, Keith. (laughs) He goes, let's talk, man. True or false? Man, you you order your life. around what I'm asking you to do. What I mean by that is, is you order your life around praying and searching for people of peace to bring them to me. He goes, that's what you do, right, Keith? Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, true or False. <laughs> you see, he's just drawing us out. I can just totally see this. Okay, true or false? Okay. Is what you're trying to accomplish in your life, is what you're trying to accomplish taking priority over this ministry of reconciliation? Is what you're trying to accomplish taking priority over that? But you don't understand. I got to get good grades in school. You don't understand. Okay, Yeah. here's the deal. Um... Man, people have gone to college and gotten great grades and never forsaken any part of the body of Christ. That's happened. <laughs> people do well at work without making work their Lord. Okay, it's clearly secondary. People have done this and continue to do this. And so it's this idea of, okay, Keith, we'll talk. You, you, you put your own name into this, Okay. Keith, have you been more urgent about learning about retirement plans, investing, and in crypto than knowing God's Word? I don't understand crypto. I don't understand Bitcoin. I don't understand how somebody... I don't know blockchain. Okay? I don't know all of that. And quite honestly, I don't care. All right? And, and I know there's people in here, and you're going, but you know what, Keith? When you get, you're you broke, don't call me for money. <laughs> I'm like, we're in the community. I'm going to get some help, right? <laughs> but, but here's the thing is, is, is I, I have conversations on a weekly basis that are so in-depth about finances and investment portfolios and, and Bitcoin and all of these things. And I'm just like, wow, I can't wrap my mind around that. And and oftentimes it's the same people that are like, what's it mean to seek God 1st hold up a minute. You can't understand blockchain and at the same time not understand something as simple as seek first the kingdom. And so I wonder if Jesus were like, hey man, let's talk about money a little bit. Tell me about... How much time, effort, energy is spent in investment portfolios and understanding Roth IRA versus IRA versus traditional versus, oh, you know, all of these things. And none of that stuff. Hey, learn it. That's awesome. But am I putting a greater emphasis on learning and, we're, and living out God's word? All right. here's here's the interesting thing too this goes back a little bit i'm I'm bouncing back to the beginning we're talking about health spiritual health okay is we are coming out of uh, again uh, this covid has outed us as disciples And, and seriously jesus would have these conversations about money but but just drawing out our heart here okay Just drawing out our heart to be like, man, I want to conform to this. I want to be healthy and I want to be all these things. But if you go Keith, man, true or false? Have you shown more zeal for COVID-19 awareness, eradication and protection than the gospel? Like I have evangelized the COVID-19 gospel. And there is not a soul that I've helped be reconciled to Jesus. I have fought the good fight of every part of what we need to be healthy in our in, in our country, in our city, in our household, in our nation. But I, I listen. I talk to someone about the gospel. Absolutely not. That hasn't happened. All right. And I think we've got to look and, and go. You know what's trailed behind us over the last three years. Has there been a lot of arguments and a lot of fighting and a lot of things like that we read about earlier in, in this sermon, right, about envy and malicious talk? Has there been a lot of that? Or has there been a lot of ministry of reconciliation kind of stuff? Like really doing the ministry of Jesus. That's what he's talking about here. That's what he's talking. That's what Paul is writing to Timothy right here. of This idea of don't just I'm not telling you to not love money just because it's a drag. I'm telling you not to do it because it's going to be what divides and poisons and just completely like ruins a healthy community, right? There's this whole big thing here. Um, so, man, there's, there's a lot of things here and at the same time, not a lot. There's a lot of information But there's also this idea of how do we walk forward with this information? I think, first and foremost, okay, this is where me and you, this is what the beauty of like one another passages are. We need to speak faith into one another's life. All right? So when we're having hard talks about money and all these things, of going, no, listen, God, we have plenty. You can make radical steps. God has us. We don't have to be anxious like the world. We don't have to hoard things. We don't have to hang on. We don't have to keep up with everybody. We're going to be fine. All right? Of having these conversations, I think just an examination of how we use our time and our money is probably this is a great time of year to kind of go through and go, how am I I using this? Right? But again... Back to how important is this in a community to have these conversations and to be able to encourage each other. I think it's really easy to go, man, you know, if Stefan were, you know, let's say me and Stefan are having some smoking pig or something like that and we're eating and, and, and he's putting away like four, five platters, you know, and, and I'm like, <laughs> and, and, and Stefan goes, Keith, man, I think, I think God has called me to this radical, like, I I need to repent so drastically of how I use my money and my time. And I think it would be easy for us to go, man, don't be, listen, don't feel like you have to do that much. Instead of going, yeah, amen, come on, bring it. Like, let's keep drawing that out here, okay? Because again, all of this stuff, man, man, Ultimately, deep down, here's, here's the beauty of discipleship. It's just the pressure is off. The pressure of worrying about money, the pressure of worrying about retirement, the pressure of worrying about not being taken care of, the pressure is the off. Because God has given an abundance. God is not a peddler of fear, but of courage. Right. Every time I see a commercial, we have to remind ourselves, I'm not being scared by this. I'm not going to be scared by what you're trying to get me to do. All right. Even our high school kids and our college kids have keeping in mind, man, all of these advertisements are making us fearful. God is not a God. Perfect love drives out fear. Right. And so it's just, again, reminding ourselves over and over and over again, reminding each other we're okay. Let's be generous like Jesus. Let's not let's not be people who are allowing our anxiety and our fear to crowd out this idea of us being a city on the hill. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to nine four zero 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 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.